Welcome to Inside the Writer's Head podcast with Jeffrey Hillard. Hillard is the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2015-2016 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity in our community and furthers the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Here is Jeffrey Hillard. It's my pleasure today to welcome uh, to the podcast a brilliant young poet who happens to also work at the main library. Her name is Ariana Iliff. She began working here at the library in 2012 after an AmeriCorps year. She currently works in the events and programming department. Uh, she has a chapbook recent, re- recently released in February called After. So welcome to the podcast, Ariane. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me this morning and for your kind words. Hey, um, could you tell us a little bit about, you're, you're fairly young, could you tell us a little bit about how you were drawn to write poetry. Here you were at OU. You're not an English major. You're not a journalism major. And OU's renowned for their journalism program, of mm-hmm. course. Um, how did you come to writing poetry? And, and could you describe maybe some of those early influences or early um, moves into the world? Well, sure. I uh, started actually when I was around 11. I wrote my first poems around that time. Um, And I came back to poetry uh, in junior high to deal with some bullying that I was uh, experiencing. Uh, I ended up going to uh, SCPA for high school and uh, got really into theater and performance there. Um, Then in college, you know, you you ask me, how did OU play into that? I spent a long time without much writing uh, until... My junior year, there was a performance artist who came. His name's Tim Miller. Uh, and he came and he did his show. He had a performance workshop. And I decided, you know, I really need to do something for me. Mm-hmm. So I joined the performance workshop. It was free and it was a, a week of crazy self exploration. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, we had. 20 people go up and share some of their most personal truths that they'd written themselves. Um, And after that, I I joined an ongoing performance art group at OU, and, uh, you know, it got me back into writing. To see, poetry and performance has always been connected for me. You know, a lot of people like to ask uh, people who do spoken word, is it more about the writing or is it more about the performing and I suppose if I had to choose it would be about the performing as, as much as I love the the writing portion but um, those influences play a lot into how I read um, you know at open mics how I perform in slams um, how does the um, that's really fascinating uh, I've been in one slam I loved it um, could do you talk a little bit about this, the poetry slam, the nature of it? What kind of distinct for those that may not be aware of what a poetry slam really is mm-hmm. from the inside, and you've been on the inside, could you talk a little bit about its nature, about maybe some of the expectations a poet might have 
you know, going into a slam. Certainly. And in the end, every slam is different, but (laughs) I don't want to give a a cop-out answer like that. (laughs) So, um, So Poetry Slam was invented in the 1980s. There was a man named Mark Smith went to a bar one day and realized that all these poets were getting up on stage and no one was paying attention to their work. So he came up with the idea to put whiteboards in everyone's hands and say, okay, rate these on a scale from zero to 10. uh, And whatever poet gets the highest score gets a bucket of beer. So Poetry Slam started as just this uh, game, Hmm. you know, to... Because, I mean, how do you really judge uh, an art form like that, and especially when it's not a panel of distinguished folks necessarily, it's people from the audience, and we like to say that if you've never been to a slam, you're the best judge. Um, (laughs) So expectations, uh, a poetry slam, that like standard rules are no costumes, no props, you get three minutes to do your poem with a 10-second grace period. If you go Over that grace period, you get a point deduction. Um, Poetry can be on any subject, um, although there are themed slams. I uh, participated in a cover slam once uh, that was themed towards uh, African-American writers. So I read two poems by Patricia Smith. She's absolutely brilliant. I love Mm -hmm. Patricia Smith. Um, There are grab bag slams. There are song lyric slams um, in... I think it was it was 2012 or 2013. Uh, a Columbus poet by the name of Scott Woods. He's also brilliant and hilarious. Um, him and uh, a fellow poet, Louise Robinson, they started a slam called the Ohio Meat Grinder Slam, uh, and they switched up the rules by having no grace period and allowing costumes and props, which wow. it makes for a really fun Very time. Cool. I at that first event, I did a poem about gender identity where I came up dressed in masculine clothing and then took off my jacket and I was wearing feminine clothing underneath. <laughs> um, I Last year, I saw a poet uh, wield a hammer and a helmet with wings on top and do this feminist piece about how um, about Thor being a woman now in the comic books. You know, yeah. you can hear anything in a slam what i think a lot of people think of a specific kind of thing as slam poetry and really what slam poetry is is any poetry done in a slam and there are trends and styles that you see that tend to do well in slams but in the end the spirit of slam is fun do you think that the performance end of the slam brings out the poem more or do you think that the poem heightens the whole na- notion of the of the performance? Hmm. Or do they work together? I, I wonder about that. So if I have one of my poems and I would read it in a slam, it may not have, say, beats. I mean, it would have its own rhythm and pacing. But if I decided to perform it in a certain way with maybe certain props, do you think it would enhance the poem? Or would the poem enhance what people saw visually? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, One thing that I've learned from doing slam poetry or poetry in slams or, you know, spoken word in general is when a poem is going to be done in front of people, um, 
it helps for the language of the poem to be a little more straightforward. Okay. Um, okay. And it, it can I can see it being a little controversial yeah. for for some folks because they might hear a slam a poem done in a slam and think that's not a poem. Well, of course it is. You know, then you get into a deeper conversation of well, what is a poem. I mean, on the other hand, too, yeah, you could you could almost imagine, uh, let's say, a poet slash performer reading some of Ezra Pound's cantos, but if he's reading them in some kind of, uh, you know, uh, curiously uh, self-made way, mm-hmm. you know, whether 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 he's mixing it up or not, those cantos might come alive for some people, and, and you know. Absolutely. It'd be kind of interesting to see. I never thought of that, really. Um, so, you know, you, you've really been engaged with the, with, the, with the slams and with the poetry and performance. Um, I want to go back for a second to what you were saying about your, your early um, coming into to writing poetry. Um, where does that performance uh, part of you come from? Does it come from... Somebody in your family, where, where'd you get that, where'd you get that bug? How, I mean, I know this was a response to something that your, your writing and your performing was a response to some things that you were processing emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, maybe intellectually, but kind of where does that go back to? Did you, you know? I remember being very young and wanting to get um, into drama classes. It's okay. it's hard to say where exactly it comes from, but I've always felt a drive to express myself with words. I have this line I keep meaning to use in a poem, and it's, uh, let's just say it's still a draft, but I like to say I spit because I can't sing. <laughs> I... I was, a, I was a ballet dancer growing up. I was not very good at it. I uh, cannot sing. I'm not talented with instruments, but words are where I can find the most succinct way of expressing what's going on on the inside. So it's always been there. Yeah. Even going back to when you were a little girl. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's hear some of those words. Let's hear some of those poems. So you have a set you'd like to read for us. Absolutely. I want to start with a piece uh, I did write um, while I was on a slam team. Uh, This piece is called Dear Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Dear Mark Zuckerberg, when you founded Facebook, did you ever think you'd meet a friend like me? You know everything about me favorite movies, favorite books, everything I like. You understand me in the way that paid advertisers understand me. Half the time, I don't understand myself, so what a blessing it is that I have you. I now know I'm a beautiful statistic. I see you every day, and the way you tell me where everyone I know is at all times is so special. The way you show me other friends' wedding and baby pictures fills this 20-something with raw, unrefined glee. But lately, I'm noticing a distance between us, so I'm writing you this letter to ask a few questions. Be honest, when I had that conversation about sex over chat, were you reading along live? When I put in pics from my last days of high school, did you share in my joy 
My fear. Did you know on that day I took my diploma, I was mourning a youth slipping past? And when I posted, Dad died, love, compassion, rest in peace, were you crying for my family? Did you hear the stories of his swollen liver, his lemon-yellow skin, his hair thin, his lungs tagged with their cancer, his bile cloudy like privacy policies? Did you hear the nurse say, he's gone? Did you hear me punch the wall, ringing sound throughout the internet? Is my father on your timeline? Did the binary vibration of my fist reach you? You missed the funeral. There were two dozen people there. Where were you? <laughs> I'm sure it was an honest mistake. You're still a great friend. I watch you in peaceful half-engagement, waiting for the news, trends, and ads picked just for me. As a reminder, Mark, would you please stop running the wedding ring ads? I had a breakup. <laughs> But you already knew that, Mark. I'm concerned that you won't get my letter. So let my face become a viral video on YouTube. Uh, YouTube. That thing you don't own yet? And I'll get together 300 of my closest friends and together we will post and repost my face until I trend and then I will know you heard this. We would do that for you, Mark. That's what friends are for. Wonderful. Keep rolling. <laughs> Let's see. What else have I got for you today? Um, I like to tell folks that it's hard for me to write uh, poems about breakups. Uh -huh. um, a lot of people come to poetry... Um, either through a love poem or through uh, talking about a breakup. Um, and for a lot of them, that poem is, I hate you, go away forever. And I'm like, I forgive you. So <laughs> this is my uh, I forgive you poem, and it's called Time Travel. The grass is an old monitor, saturation high, like a vision of a better world. You are so green to this, to letting lawn seats cleave to the curve in your shoulders. They are summer, mounds of hillside capped by the thousand birds and flowers whose names you know, by the mouth censoring statements about animal welfare, by the serenity that makes me stay. It is the fourth, so you pay attention to the fireworks. This is time travel. I'd forgotten that I shouldn't speak for you, enable the speaking for you. I made you see a therapist, to grow up. I uttered man up with regret. I asked questions to the breeze, wondered why it didn't talk back. Ran from the wind, footfalls drummed so sure, so sure. I was so sure of you. Your faithfulness was no regret. I was a fearful woman. Shell for my hermit nature, budging with your sword and stone, th finger-thumb jog. The elements may be bitter, but I am not. He leans in, professes love, kisses me. On our backs, we watch the gunpowder bloom. Let's see. Uh, this poem requires a bit of an introduction. A few years back, a friend of mine committed suicide very suddenly. 
nobody saw it coming except maybe the people who were the very closest to her. Um, and I don't believe... I don't believe she was even planning it far in advance because that same week she started a new blog where she was reviewing music. And I remember reading that blog post and thinking how much I loved that same album and how alive she sounded when she wrote it. So I wrote this poem for her. The title of the poem is taken from um, something she said in the blog post. Uh, It's called On the Verge of Brilliancy. And it begins with an epitaph. You were bigger and brighter and wider than snow. Robert Smith. You praised an album not to be left untitled in your final blog. You would enter, speak, cry out your own name, Tegan, like a prayer for rain. I remember you. A wild queen walking your fascination street. Your life a plain song for justice, science, and for living excitement, dancing till close down. Until you close down, sister. When did your love stop? How many love songs did you use to serenade your friend, death himself? What twisted lullaby sang the merits of going, idealized the knife, there are others, in the same deep water as you, and yet you left us the pictures of you, leave an empty corner in all our hearts, parties, who could have foreseen your disintegration? All your vapor was homesick for heaven, for a peace I did not know to return to you, did you give yourself to this album you so praised? Was this your last dance? Tegan. Mm-hmm. I uh, I really wanted to do that poem for this podcast because there are people who were good friends of Tegan who still haven't gotten a chance to hear that yet. So so shout out to to them right now. Um, let's see what else I have for you today. I will go ahead and do something a little lighter for you. I mentioned I used to be a ballet dancer, Mm -hmm. and I was not very good. But uh, this is a poem about body image, and it's called Fat Ballerina. I was a fat ballerina. Mm -hmm. When we did the famous Four Swans variation, my teacher wanted to put me on the end of the line of girls. I asked her if she was trying to play a twisted game of duck-duck-goose, as in skinny, 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 say what? Hmm. But I danced, until they said I was a better actor, so I acted, until I couldn't stand my old soul on display, so I wrote my own theater, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote until air enveloped my hands, my thighs became ether, my chin rolled away, I wrote until nothing was left but sound in its wavelength, an ocean away from this body. This wonderful, Ariane. I wanted to ask you about the process. Um, When you start writing a poem, could you talk to us a little bit, maybe describe a little bit of how you get into it? Because your poems have this really engaging, sweeping lyricism. 
kind of breathy in some sense, almost, and I mean it in a positive, almost kind of Whitmanian, like Walt Whitman, like Leaves Grass mm-hmm. or any of his long poems. Um, do you start with an image? Do you start with a sound and just let it unfold into, you know, these, these wonderful melodic uh, sentences that flow down the page? It depends. Um, I usually start with either a line that just comes into my head or an image. Like the Mark Zuckerberg poem uh, came from an actual experience where I was having kind of a private conversation with a friend and this I just suddenly imagined in my head Mark Zuckerberg Uh, You know, after everyone leaves Facebook headquarters, sneaking into his office and rubbing his hands together like, ha, 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 I'm going to read, you know, millions of people's private conversations. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, with different lines, I sometimes it's an end line. Like, I think an ocean away from this body was how Fat Ballerina started, for instance. And and how about the homage to your friend Tegan? Did... Did that start with just the notion that I'm going to write a poem about her or did some image of her, something you envisioned physically about her uh, come first? And then you said, oh, that's that's Tegan. I got to capture her. I got to capture it, you know, in a poem. That one was a little different. Um, It was really directly inspired by that blog post she wrote. Um, Of course, I grew up on The Cure. Disintegration by The Cure is, you know, most people would agree that's a great album. Uh, Most people who know it. Yeah. Um, And she had her own sweeping lyricism in just writing about it. And I found it poignant and sad that of all album titles disintegration is yeah. you know the one that was relevant for her yeah. um so even even the cure um was it like an impetus yeah she was moving bo- into that yeah yeah she pointed out in that post that um she was born in 1989 which is the same year the album came out i just imagined that this album that obviously resonated with her was a part of her. So what I did was take the titles from the track listing and incorporate them into a series of I arbitrarily chose haikus because I wanted it to have, you know, syllabic rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote, you know, five seven five five seven five okay. five seven five. Got it. Well, how about you end um, the podcast today maybe with one more poem? Okay. Leave us with what you want. Absolutely. Uh, and this is a piece that uh, this is a piece that upon doing it at poetry in the garden, uh, just to close out the night one night, I got a lot of positive feedback. <laughs> it's written after um, very famous poet named Buddy Wakefield. Um, He's won individual world poetry slam several times. Again, brilliant poet. Uh, He wrote a poem about his hometown of, I I believe, Shreveport, Louisiana. And after that, another poet I respect wrote uh, a My Town poem about St. Louis. uh, St. Louis? Minneapolis, St. Paul, perhaps? Oh, I'm I'm so sorry, Neil Hillborn. I am forgetting. I apologize, Neil Hugh. Apologies if you ever hear this. Um, it's close. It's close. 
oh, embarrassing, but uh, Neil was touring and put out a challenge, uh, you know, if you write a My Town poem and you send it to this email address, you know, if I choose it, then I will write some material to go along with it. We'll do a group piece when I get to your town. I never finished it in time to enter it and uh, and have him look at it, but I've kept my my town poem about Cincinnati, and I love Cincinnati, but I also wanted to talk about um, some of Cincinnati's faults as well. So I hope this piece comes across um, affectionate, uh, if yeah. nothing else. It's uh, it's all of this is is set out of love. And I am just making sure I have the correct version here. Excellent. Okay. My Town, after Buddy Wakefield. My town has a genius of water, a fountain, shaped like a woman, liquid flowing from her palms, surrounded by her followers. She's a starving artist. And she's trying so damn hard. My town struggles to roll with the cool kids like Pittsburgh, Louisville, Chicago, and Atlanta. I watch her stumbles and successes align like steel bars on old breweries next to stained glass windows. The triumphs of music and madness kissing the unspoken ruins of race riots. My town is made of decay. My town is a locally made, family-owned donut of suburbs with an empty middle bit that no one likes to talk about. She is West Side Church and East Side Wine, East Side Finance and West Side Teens throwing football. She knows what high school you went to, and my town bleeds school colors. She can cook. And she knows what she's hungry for. Grater's ice cream, Moorline beer, and Skyline chili, which requires a lot of said beer or a really strong stomach. (laughs) My town loves food so much she branded it. Selling out is a plus for her. The signs on Walnut Street illuminate the beautiful fruit of her artist's grind a block away. Cardboard-carrying ramblers pop up regular like streetlights. They all spit the same poem, God bless. God bless, my town has a day job. Same pencil skirt, same silky tie, same 36 identical pinstripe shirts and a hungry mob. Same makeup from last year's issue. My town paints her face with new restaurants and bars to cover bruised homes of untouchables. Post-developer company logos as F for the yuppies to pray to because my town chooses not to see color. My town locked doors. My town avoid that neighborhood. My town doesn't remember the name of the kid whose shooting started those riots. Timothy Thomas. We'll, we're still mourning Sam Dubose because my town forgets who she's for, who's been living here, who needs help grabbing their own bootstraps. Queen City without a crown. My town reclaims glory days at the expense of glory, she says. Everything is great. Nothing to see here. Happy to be here. We are the future. My town spreads her hands at the fountain. And she whispers, Please, don't forget me. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Wow. The music in that, the way you read, your pacing is is just extraordinary. And... It does seem to me like you've got this natural propensity to oralize your poems every chance you get. So keep reading. Thank keep you. reading aloud. Uh, thanks, Ariana, for being my guest today. Absolutely. Ariana Ilove has been my guest on this edition of Inside the Writer's Podcast. Uh, if you ever get a chance to hear her read, um, 
or get her book after, uh, you have to do that. Um, and we're all very fortunate to have her down here at the public library in events and programming and also being such an active participant in um, Poetry in the Garden. Thanks, Ariana. Thank you, Jeff. You've been listening to Inside the Writer's Head podcast with Jeffrey Hillert, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2015-2016 Writer-in-Residence. This podcast was recorded in the library's Makerspace. Use the Makerspace yourself at the main library or at the Reading and St. Bernard branch libraries. The podcast was mixed by Adam Baker. Special thanks to Kimber L. Fender, Sandy Bullock, Missy Dieters, Kate Lawrence, and Chris Rice and to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. Also, thanks to the band Amphibians for providing the song Sharkbait for this podcast. Learn more about the Writer-in-Residence and related events on our website, cincinnatilibrary.org. There, you can also read our Inside the Writer's Head blog and comment about this podcast. Be sure to join us again next month for another Inside the Writer's Head podcast.